The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to transform your life. Welcome to Direct Connect Empowerment with your host, Fee Mazanki. Our program will explore the concepts and ideas behind Direct Connect Coaching by introducing guests who are using or are aligned with this program and have used the ideas to transform their lives. It is our sincere hope that you can use this inspiration to do the same. Now, here is Fee Mazanke. Welcome to Direct Connect Empowerment with Fee, and I'm your host, Fee Mazanke. And today, I'm joined by Chicago Bears head coach, Mark Trussman. Thanks so much for joining us, Coach. It's a thrill to have you on the air today. Oh, it's a privilege for me, Fee. I'm, I'm happy to be with you. And I do, before we begin, I do have to give accolades and uh, a heartfelt gratitude to my dear friend Mitch and your cousin Mitch for connecting us. He was instrumental in getting us together. So, Mitch, I definitely owe you, buddy. <laughs> um, Coach, before we get started, too, I wanted to just... Um, I could probably take an hour to talk about your uh, career coaching highlights. I just took, took and pulled out a few of that before we get into the nuts and bolts of our interview today. And I just want to give a, a, the listeners a thumbnail sketch of um, some of the really impressive highlights that, um, that you've had over the years in coaching. You were the quarterback's coach for the national champion University of Miami Hurricanes in 1983 offensive coordinator or quarterback's coach for a host of NFL teams, showing a very dynamic and intelligent approach to designing offenses. And your work with quarterbacks and offensive strategies made you sought after by many teams, breaking records and winning championships along the way. And that allowed you to become the head coach of the Montreal Alouettes for five seasons, where you took that team to the Canadian Football League's equivalent of the Super Bowl, which is known as the Grey Cup, for three consecutive years, winning it all in 2009 and 10. Coach Pressman was named the Canadian Football League Coach of the Year in 2010. And after that, um, Coach Pressman authored a terrific book called Perseverance, Life Lessons on Leadership and Teamwork. And it's a book that I really got so much value out of reading Coach and I want to recommend it to the the, uh, listeners, not just because it's a book about football, but it really is a book about life and the values that you hold. And it also is for a great cause, which is for uh, the benefits and proceeds go to the uh, Parkinson Trustman Foundation, which benefits Alzheimer's disease. 2013, that was our year. That's when we got you, uh, Coach Trustman's first year as the head coach of the Bears. And I remember getting a text from Mitch saying, my cousin's going to be coaching the Chicago Bears. That was really fun. We spoke about that uh, after we after we texted. We got on the horn and talked about how fun that was going to be. And 
this year, Coach, uh, really watching and leading the Bears to one of the most exciting and dynamic offenses in Bears history. I mean, it was, as a fan, from my shoes, really fun to watch. Uh, while starting the season with a very explosive signature Bears defense, too, and for anybody that watches football, you definitely saw that um, there were uh, numerous injuries that sidelined many of the Bears' top defenders. And still finishing the season with a very impressive 8-8 eight eight season, which was the best from a rookie head coach in the Super Bowl era. So thanks so much today, Coach, for joining us. And uh, I've asked you today to be with us to share insights about your past, making your dreams become a reality as an NFL head coach and some of the ways in which perseverance has helped you through some of the challenging times. Because as we know, there's been some ups and downs as there is in anyone's career. So perseverance is defined as a steady persistence and a course of action, a purpose, a state, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. So, Coach, how would you say that your career in and around football is summed up in the word perseverance? Uh, it's it's uh, it's a great way to start, Fee. But I, I'd like to backtrack for one second and uh, sure. just comment on some of your words that you stated to kind of give some background. Because the reason I became, and, and really what I wanted to tell your audience, based on the information that you've already given them, that the reason I got a chance to be the head coach of the Montreal Alouettes had nothing to do with my football skills. And it, it went back 20 years to 1989 when a young Jim Pop, who became the general manager of the Montreal Alouettes, was the son and a young coach of one of the coaches that I worked with. And during the time that I worked with his father, he would come around. And when he came around, I allowed him access to our meetings, uh, to the players, uh, to a playbook, with the idea only that I wanted to help him grow as a coach. Well, going to the philosophy that there's really no such thing as a coincidence, 20 years later when I was down and out of work, Jim Pop was a highly successful general manager in the National Football League and offered me an opportunity to be the head coach of the Montreal Alouettes, none of which had anything to do with football. And like I tell our players all the time, a lot of the things that we do appear to have absolutely nothing to do with football, but yet they have everything to do with football. And uh, by helping somebody out and asking nothing in return was a lesson I learned about uh, sometimes things that you give at a certain time. We have expectations that they'll come back to us for whatever reasons immediately. But when we do it with the idea of only helping and asking nothing in return, good things can happen. And, uh, and that's how I became the head coach of the Montreal Alouettes, really having nothing to do with my accomplishments as a coach. Well, that's such a great example of what I refer to as a leadership coach, coach <laughs> is the boomerang effect. And I oftentimes will ask my clients, what boomerang are you throwing out to the world? And yeah, it's it's good. And then regarding perseverance, I think it's just, you know, once you realize 
Um, it's not necessarily, you know, what you do or how you do it, but why you do it. How uh, you continue, you can continue to move forward and not be concerned with what success or failure that you've had. In this case, failure or difficulties or discouragement, and you just you just continue to move on with your cause. And you know, I was fortunate. I'm wired in a way that, um, that when when things did happen. Um, they easily translated in. Well, what's next? You know, what what's what's next, and what what window is going to open, and what opportunity is there going to be? Um, so that's how I viewed it. And uh, instead of fighting it, um, I absorbed it and, and embraced it uh, along the way. Beautiful. And it's definitely a, a sign of, of no resistance and just allowing each step to be a perfect step along the path of your purpose here and your mission here. And That's exactly right. Um, the yeah. way you put it is exactly right, and we try to teach our players that. And, you know, football is a zero-sum game. You're going to, on every play and every day, you're going to, somebody wins and somebody loses. And uh, if you do lose, um, you can't fight that moment. You have to move forward. You, you learn from it. You take positive steps to move forward, and you immediately put it behind you, and you focus on the next present moment. Sure. And how would you say, Coach, that the art of letting go, I know a lot of people that I've run into in my coaching practice um, have asked me about the art of letting go, and football is a great opportunity for you to experience letting go moment by moment, uh, letting go of difficult plays, letting go of a difficult game. Tell me how you do that and how, what you can teach our uh, listeners about that. Oh, I think that's a it's it's a great question. It's tough to answer. It's it's easier answer easier to answer in 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 a football language because you know in football it's all about the next play. Whatever happened in that moment, you've got to get over it immediately because if you don't, you're going to waste the energy you need to utilize uh, to, to needed to utilize in 40 seconds on the next play. And during that 40 seconds, you've got to focus on what personnel groupings in the game, what the play calls in the huddle, what the snap count is, and then you've got to, to activate all that into a high level of physicality. Uh, so football teaches you that we're, we're, we're able to practice that daily. We practice failing. Practicing failing is part of you know the process during the week so we can accept it on game day and move forward. Uh, in life, it's a little bit harder. Um, uh, because you don't you don't perceive your life like we perceive a football game, um, so football does train you. It really is a toolbox for life in that regard. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Now, coach, as a wife and mother, I recognize the importance of the support of your family on your path to success. Can you speak to me about how you keep your focus on your family and you keep that balance? I know in, in busy careers, oftentimes people find themselves out of balance. I know I did, and that's really what led me into coaching and getting coached was to create a greater balance structure in my life. Can you tell me about that, how you keep that balance and focus on your family in a business that can be so consuming? Yeah, that's not easy. Um, it's easier for me now at my age than it was when my career was expanding. I was a young assistant coach. Um, I was concerned about the next job, the next paycheck, uh, the next next uh, advancement. It, it, but um, I, I'm, I, I think I was just fortunate. 
was, you know, get my work done with Cindy and have a chance to talk with her. And then when she goes to sleep, I can finish my work. And um, I really tried to do that uh, along the way. It, it's not easy. And I, I think that, you know, visual pictures are always good. I mean, at times, if you have a visual picture in front of you that says, I'm taking care of my health, I'm taking care of my family, I'm taking care of my job, I'm taking care of my faith, uh, little reminders that that helps us because we do get caught up day to day in this illusion of what's real, um, and it's not. I mean, we get caught up in self-preservation in our jobs. We get caught up in the emotions of the moment, and we lose touch with reality. We get outside of ourselves, and um, a lot of times visual pictures, and you see it all the time with affirmations and things like that, are, are quick reminders to get us out of the delusionary state that we're in during the course of the day, day that, uh, you know, puts our ego first and and uh, and takes our eye off the ball, so to speak. And, you know, that's why so many people are practicing mindfulness and starting to be more aware and, and present so they don't lose sight of what's really important in their lives. Right, definitely. But I have a supportive wife, you know, who loves football and is, is independent as well. So, you know, we, we're, we're, you know, in this job, you do spend, you know, a lot of focus and time away, but we just try to balance it out on a personal level and, and make the times we are together, um, you know, more important. A lot of quality moments when you are together, when you do have the time to spend together, there's quality moments. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of ego, I, I definitely wanted to address that with you because in your book, uh, Rich Gannon talks about the fact that you don't have an ego. And I wanted to know, what does it mean to you? Well, I, I, first of all, I think everybody, um, none of us want to have an ego, but all of us yeah. do. It's just, uh, it's part of the way we're raised. And I think that, um, you know, I think that when moments come up, this is hard to explain, but um, if you can... As soon as you get centered, you have a tendency to lose your ego and make decisions that are in the best interest of the community or the the whole and not to protect yourself. Um, So I think when working with people... it's when working with people, working with a quarterback, working with people on the job, it's a matter of paying attention to your emotions and paying attention to, you know, where your mind is taking you so you don't go to that place where you become uh, self selfish or protective of of your position, territorial and things like that. And when you're present you can recognize those things. Um, when you're not, um, and when you re- recognize them, you can you can keep yourself in a place that really is uh, respectful of the of the group of the people you're working with, in terms of not doing what's best for you, but what's best for them. And um, I guess that's what it means, if that makes any sense. Um, and I yeah. think that uh, you know just how you put that aside is by. Um, recognizing who you were and what you want, really want to be, and then try to be as consistent and work at that that part of it. When you're younger, you're in an expansion mode. You're thinking about yourself and your career, and then you hit a certain place and you become enlightened. I've got players that are extremely enlightened at 26 and 27. Yeah. Uh, others like myself took a lot longer. Where you say, you know, what am I really doing here? I'm having success. I'm making a good living, but I'm not fulfilled. Well, the reason right. why you're not fulfilled is because you're taking and doing 
and you're not giving. And uh, and if you are giving, you're giving to get something instead of giving and asking nothing in return. And that's really the line of demarcation, uh, fulfillment or not fulfillment, in my opinion, is when you do for others and ask nothing in return, then all of a sudden you can start to really enjoy your life and you're a lot happier. That's That's the lessons I've learned. And it certainly it certainly showed up for you in your experience with Jim Pop and what happened there and how you got your head coaching position in Montreal and how I got it here in Chicago because see when I was in Montreal I never thought about being the head coach of the Chicago Bears or getting back to the NFL while I was working during the course of the year uh, in Montreal I was focused on what can I do today to to allow these guys to be better fathers, husbands, teammates, and help them master their craft. I wasn't concerned about where I was going. Great. Thank you. Coach, we're going to take a quick time out, and uh, we'll get back. Thank you. You're listening to Direct Connect Empowerment with me and my very special guest, Chicago Bears head coach, Mark Trotman. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com to learn more about Fee's empowering programs. Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com. What does creme de la creme mean? It's the greatness of living, the willingness to be the best. It's living beyond what you know is possible with no limitation. Access Consciousness presents Creme de la Creme, a program that empowers you to choose and create the life you would like to have and entices you into being who you are, not who others would have you be. It's the best of the best. It's the finer things in life. It's brilliant. It's fun. It's exciting. Join us for Creme de la Creme every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you feel like sometimes you just don't know where to start with your health and fitness routine? Every week, you can hear from people who have been where you feel that you are right now and find out how they move forward and are living their best lives ever. It's called Lifestyle 360, and your host is Nicole Monier. Get inspired to take control of your health and your life. Tune into Lifestyle 360 every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee Mazanke or her guest on the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment. We're back to Direct Connect Empowerment with Fee and getting back to Chicago Bears head coach Mark Tressman. Coach, quarterback Bernie Kosar describes your best quality as your ability to get the most out of guys regardless of their talent. What's your secret to that quality? 
And what can you share with our listeners about how they as leaders can bring out the best in individuals that they're associated with? Well, that's a that's a loaded question again, um, and that's a. Uh, uh, I appreciate what Bernie had to say. Um, you know, I think that uh, here with the Bears and in Montreal, what we try to do, number one, is um, I don't think you can really take out the best of anybody that you work with unless you truly have an authentic relationship with them. Um, an authentic relationship means you there's a common clarity and communication, uh, number one, and uh, and the ability to eliminate roles in your relationships so you can have a true relationship and not one where you're playing roles um, to where I'm the, when I'm the head coach talking to you and you take on a position as the assistant coach, uh, you play these roles that protect your position. And uh, that's, that's a very difficult way to work and, and take the qualities and take the best of everybody and get the best of everybody. So the work has to go in and develop what I would call, you know, authentic relationships where you take the hierarchy out of it. That doesn't mean that I, 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 have, I can't stand in the shoes and make the tough decisions because that's part of my job. But when dealing with people on a daily basis the way we do here, we do try to get to know people as well as we can their backgrounds, how they were raised, um, get to get get to a more down to earth level where there can be you know brotherly love and compassion in our locker room amongst players and coaches, um, and a confidence level and a trust level uh, that uh, that helps us get a baseline to work them uh, to be in a position where they can master their craft, and uh, and that that's really it is is a combination of, um, as, as we say here, um, you know, we're not in the, uh, we're in the people business here. We're not in the football business. And, um, and we take that very seriously, uh, to, you know, create a situation and environment where, you know, our players can self-actualize and become the best they can be on and off the field. And that starts with relationships. And, you know, I don't care what business you're in, you're in the widget business, you're really um, not in the widget business. You're in the people business first. Sure, of course. And I know really important elements in relationships for you, what you talked about so eloquently throughout your book was uh, trust and respect. And there were so many great examples, Coach, of how you show respect and um, and teach your players about the art of respect and building trust. One of the great stories that I remember was uh, the equipment manager, I think it was, um, in Montreal, how you recognized him in front of the team and gave him a, a game ball, which is not typical of you to do. And I know even this year, there was an interview, uh, my husband had mentioned to me that he saw an interview where there was some some uh, banter going on with a uh, bus driver, and you definitely came in and said, hey, let's, let's uh, give this guy our attention and, and make sure that we treat him with respect. With so many different personalities on the team, um, how do you do that on a day-to-day basis, go in and build that level of trust and respect in and among the team so that they can feel that sense of brotherhood and connectedness uh, to the whole? Well, I think that's the challenge every day. I, you stand in front of a room of 60 guys, 
you know, football is, um, you know, the NFL is a very hyper-competitive business. It probably has the most diversity of any business in America in terms of the the, the places that we draw players from and people from. And it's a, it's a very, very exhaustive tax, uh, exhaustive um, uh way of doing things. I mean, it's exhausted in terms of the process, but it's extremely exhilarating uh, because daily, because every man in the room has a different perception of, of this reality uh, to find messaging that can reach everybody. And uh, so there's a, there is a creative part to that, um, which is exciting for me. Um, I, I really enjoy that. There's a uh, you have to be tireless in in and, and make sure you're organized in terms of reaching everybody individually uh, and collectively, and then you are relentless. And I and I say that word strongly. You really do have to be relentless in believing in what you're doing, because there's going to be men and women in the building that are going to be rolling your their eyes at you. Uh, as you move along, and you you have to just go in with blinders and keep selling that message in positive and uh, and caring ways. And you know, as I tell the guys all the time, you know, some of you get it, some of you don't, but eventually you will. Yeah. And it's guaranteed that um, no matter what time in their lives, uh, it, it may be early. Like I said, we have a lot of a lot of enlightened guys in our in our locker room at twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight that are much farther along than I ever was at their age, and they get it. There's certainly some that don't, um, but eventually, without question, everybody does. Yeah, definitely. And I know many times throughout your book, too, Coach, you talk about spirituality. Can you define spirituality and tell me the importance of that as a leader for you? Yeah, I and, think that... Um, yeah. You know, I think even if you went to the to the dictionary, it'd be very, very difficult to define what spirituality is. Sure. Um, the, the best way I can define it for myself is looking back at is to look back at my life uh, and understand. Number one, now I see why it was all tied together. I see why this thing, this happened, and this happened, and if this wouldn't have happened, the door would have been would not have opened. So, I think there is part of that is is knowing that there's something going on out there that's bigger than all of us. Um, you know, it's it's been a very very difficult word to define because there is a crossover to to, to the religious side, whatever that religion might be. And sure. I don't think spirituality is a religion within itself. I just think it's a recognition um, that there's things going on here that um, uh, that we just can't we just can't understand. But if your intent is to give and ask nothing in return, um, good things just seem to happen along the way. Great. I know you speak about the importance of your vision as a leader and tying in your team to your vision and how important that is to the team right from the get-go, right through practice at the beginning of training camp and and then throughout the rest of the season. Um, How have you seen your vision become a reality time and time and time again in your life, and how uh, do you get your team tied into that vision as a leader. I think that's really a, a great gift 
that you hold that you can share some insights for those people out there that may be leading a team and not quite as well-versed in uh, sharing the vision and, and getting people tied into the vision? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it'll take me a few minutes to do that. Number one is, I mean, I've just recently, you know, in my own mind, have clarified this vision. Uh, it really only went into practice um, back in 2008 when I started as a head coach of the Montreal Alouettes because I was focused in and I, I did have a formula, uh, a basic formula th- uh, of how I wanted to get it all done. I don't think I would have gotten it all done on a football level if I wouldn't have had the opportunity to have a very, very good quarterback. So in football, to put this in practice and get it done, uh, the first thing you have to do is take care of the science, which is getting your players, to your quarterback, to play at a high level. But that being said, um, you know, really to go going to our discussion, you know, the foundation of everything we try to do here is really based on two things: respect, as you already talked about, and humility. So, if you're you're the foundation of what you're doing is grounded in respect, respect for each other and everybody in the organization. And knowing that nobody is more important than the next, respect for your opponent, because if you don't uh, look at your opponent as an equal, you won't have an edge. And respect for the game, um, I always tell our players, everyone loves the NFL, the NFL loves no one, it only loves us conditionally. And and we have to honor the game every day, which means the game doesn't care about um, where we've been or what we've done or what we've accomplished even yesterday. The game only cares what we do for it today. So respect is grounded every day in everything we do in our words and our actions and our demeanor. And then on the other side of it, there's humility. You know, and humility, without humility in an organization, the organization is going to die because it's going to be selfish and not caring. So we try different ways to um, portray humility and portray respect. And humility isn't meekness or weakness. You know, humility is recognizing that every person around you is connected. And uh, we all understand without them, we would not have the individual or team success. So on this road, this six-month road through an NFL season, for instance, we know that we're going to be grounded in respect and humility. And we know also what's inevitable is we're going to have adversity and we're going to have success in how we handle adversity and success on a daily basis to get better, uh, which is all we really want to do, by the way, Fee. We're not we're not everybody's vision you know the the master of the obvious vision is everybody wants to stand on the podium in february and we do too but the only way to do that is to get better today because that's all we have control over so um that's how it really works being able to absorb and embrace adversity being able to be humble in success and work every day to provide an atmosphere for players that they're not in fear and stress and anxiety uh but they're 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 in a position where we can apply pressure to them to be at their best because they're surrounded by coaches who know how to coach them right, the science, who are clear in their communication, um, who are able to um, you know coach them in a compassionate and 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 brotherly loving environment. And when you do that, you create that environment. You put you automatically apply pressure on them to be at their best and be accountable to each other. And then all we try to do is get it better. And that that's that's really it. And that was so evident this year. Um, 
with Jay Cutler starting out and then certainly with uh, Josh McCown coming in and really Josh stepping in the role when Jay got injured and just really shining. And that was what I would call you uh, demonstrating what's possible in your system, in your, in your offensive system and scheme of things, and, and obviously defensively too. But for in this case, in this example, um, it's just showing your players what's possible at each and every game practice and game and, and uh, you know, what's possible within the realm of the vision. Well, our coaches did a great job of working through it with them. And, you know, our players did a – we've got an exceptional group of men here. And your listeners ought to know that we really do have an exceptional group of uh, very selfless players on this football team that, uh, you know, love this city, love this organization, appreciate playing for the McCaskey family. And Virginia and, and George and, and his family, and um, you know that's what we try to do every day is, is be at our best. We, got, we know we got a extremely passionate fan base. Well, it was really clearly evident as you watched on the sidelines. Uh, you know the players and their interaction with one another and demeanor. I mean, there's an energy and a feel that you can get. At least I could, as a fan, I definitely noticed that and um, and could see it. And uh, so. I speak for all Chicago Bears fans, Coach, when I say we are all holding your vision to be on the podium and uh, and all the components that that takes to to get you there. I'm I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Definitely. That's why I'm sharing it because I want everybody to envision that it'll it'll allow us to get closer faster. Absolutely, there's a collective consciousness that is at work here that uh, we as fans can hold and and support that vision. And that's one of the reasons, as a fan, I wanted you to be on the show because I wanted to convey that to you to say, hey, you've got fans out here. I get it, and I want to know, I want our, our listeners to know that we collectively can hold that vision for you and with you as, uh, as the players move into that consciousness of, of getting there as well. Fun. It's really fun. Now, Coach, I know you've had an opportunity to work with so many different coaches in football, uh, and these coaches all had very different coaching styles. What did you glean from being exposed to so many different personalities, and how has that helped you as the head coach of the Chicago Bears? Well, I think um, number one is it would be very, very difficult for me to single out any one coach because they've each and every coach, whether they've had you know tremendous qualities, some quite frankly were qualities that I, I wouldn't want to take on, um, but were good people and uh, just did it a different way because there's so many different ways to do it in uh, in, in our field and still get very very good results. Uh, so I, I attribute. Um, you know what we're doing, how we're doing it. Um, you know, as a collective process, a collection of experiences, really that have, uh, that have brought me to this point. I can't be any more specific than that, but um, I do feel very comfortable in terms of how we're going about it. But I also feel a need to continue to grow, uh, to read, to listen to other people, talk about leadership, to get new ideas, uh, to get the newest trends. So we're always in search of, you know, one more way to touch somebody on our in our program that can, uh, you know, change his life. 
and uh, create a create uh, you know a mindset for him that allow him to help our football team and help us help himself. Great. We're going to take a quick break, and you're listening to Direct Connect Empowerment with C and my very special guest, Coach Chicago Bears head coach Mark Trussman. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com to learn more about Fee's empowering programs. Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com. Are decisions at the leadership level determined by influences of external factors? Discover by tuning into From the Boardroom to the Bedroom, The Protocol Praxis with Suzanne Z. Pedro. Science reveals that decisions are made subconsciously based on emotions and learning which occurs before one is aware. So take a chance. Open the door. Reframe your critical decisions with proven successful strategies. The Boardroom to the Bedroom. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee Mazanke or her guest on the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment. We're back to Direct Connect Empowerment with C and, and back with our very special guest today, Chicago Bears head coach, Mark Trussman. Thanks again, Coach, for being with us. I do want to speak a little bit about some of the adversity that you have faced in your career and sharing with our listeners about how you uh, keep persevering through those adverse moments and adverse times. Um, what did you hear about some of those elements of adversity and how you have how you've learned from that and it, and you were able to keep moving forward? Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough question. I I think that um, you know a lot of it was just motivated by family. You know that um, I didn't really think of it in the right terms. I don't think that should necessarily be a reason as I think about it, but. It, I was motivated by my family. I had to get a job. I had to, you know, provide for my wife and my children. And so I, I didn't have time to feel sorry for myself. Um, I had to find the next job. Um, 
I, I don't know that I would look at it the same way the next time around. Um, I think I would look at it more like things happen this way. What can I learn from it? And I would do the same thing that I'm, I'm teaching our players, and that is when adversity hits, absorb it, embrace it. Something better is on the way. And what did I learn from it so I can do a better job the next time around? Um, different. You know, the first is putting pressure on yourself and fighting the moment because you have to. Uh, I think the second is is that, okay, it didn't work out, but I got a lot out of this, and now I'm going to utilize the information and, and what I got out of it, uh, knowing that I did it the right way and I did it for the right reasons and it didn't work out. And then I'm going to move on. I think there's a whole different mentality and emotional level that you have uh, 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 talking about a, a same experience. And I think earlier you mentioned about really being aware of your emotions. But what I'm hearing you say, Coach, is that you're not allowing yourself to get stuck in the story of the emotion. Right. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the toughest thing we have to do daily is control this little voice in our heads that are either, you know, beating us up for something that we did or telling us what's going to happen in the future, an event that, you know, is a long way from being having materialized instead of being present enough and aware enough of what's going on so you can, you can make the best decisions and do the right things in that moment, which is, you know, as you know and I know, is, is really the only moment there ever is. That's correct. Sure. And and what I find fascinating, Coach, is how do you practice the art of being present when there's two minutes on the clock, you got 60,000 fans screaming at you, and, and how do you find that groundedness to be present uh, and, and be able to navigate your way to make those calls in the in the heat of the moment. I think all of our listeners have been faced with that and they would benefit from hearing how you practice that. Well, everybody's different. Um, Number one is uh, I feel like um, going into it, you know, I'm emotionally wired to do it and I'm able to do it because it's my work and so I've experienced these things. Um, So not out of my realm to have to work in this environment, um, and I and I feel like I'm wired a certain way that enables me to do the job. But I do spend a lot of time visualizing these moments, um, and when they do occur, and I mean visualizing in a in a meditative state, sure. uh, preparing for these moments. So um, when they do happen, I, I don't get fearful. I don't get overly emotional. Uh, I just kind of, some kind of unconsciously just try to move through the moment, recognizing that, you know, this is, this is what's supposed to be happening, and now just deal with it. So I think it's a combination of the two. You know, as I said, being wired and experienced enough to be able to handle it, uh, because that's what I've done for so long. But number two is recognizing where we are at that time. And, and really rejoicing in being in those positions uh, so you're not fighting them at the time and you're, you're, you're not worried about what might happen two quarters from now, but just what you have to do in the moment to, um, to respond to the situation. Sure, definitely. One of the uh, examples that you talked about, 
coach in your book that I wanted to address with you is that when you were traveling on the plane out to San Francisco to interview for the offensive coordinator position with the 49ers, that was at the time your dream job, and you had that moment of clarity of knowing that you were going to be offered the job. There was just that, that like you were speaking of, that calm presence, that peace, and that what I call intuition of knowing that the job was, was yours. And I want to know how you use your intuition to make decisions around the game and how has that knowing best served you? Uh, that's another tough question. Um, I think that it's tough to go uh, you know, two different situations. I mean, this one was, I, I don't know why, but I just intuitively knew, and there was an energy of some kind that just said, I know you, you haven't even interviewed yet, but you're getting this job, and um, it's going to happen. Um, you know, a job with, with things that come up day to day, uh, there's certainly things that are intuitive, um, and, and you let that kind of happen. You don't fight that, but uh, you do take into consideration the situation and your experience, and and you take it. You do take a historical perspective on, you know, when this in- instance happened or this type of thing happened in the past. So, I mean, it's it's we all know it. I mean, there's a moment when we're going through some situation that, you know, we get a we get some kind of vibe, some kind of something happens, and we just kind of see it, and then it disappears. And either we catch it uh, while it happens or we forget about it, and then we remind ourselves weeks later that, oh, yeah, I did I, I did have that. That did run through my mind, and I just didn't grab it, uh, when it when it happened. Sure. It's awareness of those subtle thoughts. It's it's what I refer to as the voice of the inner critic versus the voice of possibility, the voice of intuition or knowingness. And, right. uh, and it's listening more to that voice of knowing and discerning between the two and, and knowing that every single person has that. Every right. person has that inner critic. But if you also listen to the subtle voice in your mind, that comes in too, and that being your intuition. And, right. and that was... Yeah, that was I, I think as I think about it, see, it would be something like when those moments come, uh, if it's fear based, it's probably wrong. Yeah. If it's if if there's if fear isn't part of the decision making process and it's legitimate, it's probably a good decision. Yeah, that's a that's a great simple way to approach it and a great simple way to make decisions is look checking checking internally to say is this does this make me feel fearful or does it feel wide open and you and and just kind of as you say going with your gut and knowing yeah i don't don't know if it's everything but it certainly could be yeah hello yes i'm here okay uh, now, at one point, Coach, you left the game and moved to South Florida as a bond investor. Uh, what did that time away from the game teach you, and what can you say about the amazing offers that just fell in your lap after you were away from the game? Yeah, that's um, that's a good question, Fee, because when I when I took the job, I had no intentions to get back into football. I had, sure. you know, one child was born, one was on the way. Um, you know, I was very motivated to obviously make a living for my family. I, being in business, I found out how hard it is to make a living because I never considered football business or work. And and I was making, 
you know, financially doing well in, in the football side of it. So I think that the number one, number two is I really never thought about going back into the game. I was focused on taking care of my family and working. And I think that is probably one of the reasons why it came back to me because it came back to me naturally. I didn't try to fight my way back into the business. Um, and it was a good lesson from that standpoint. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the more I got away from it, the more the game sort of tried to find me. Um, and again, it's kind of scary to talk about it to some degree because um, it's kind of hard for me to believe when I talk about it that I could be away from it and not want to get back into it. And all of a sudden, as I said in the book, it sort of found me again. Um, and um, it, maybe if it did anything, it just said, whatever you're doing, doing it with, do it with passion. Uh, do it with a sense of um, a selflessness. And, uh, you know, eventually, um, you know, you get rewired into where you're supposed to be if this wasn't the place, I guess. And I think that when you look back and you read biographies, that happens to a lot of people. Sure. And it really becomes a kind of letting go of attachment to the game. I, I always look at it as a letting go of attachment to the game. And then, and then the purpose, you being in the game, kind of found its way back to you. Right. Right. So it, it, there's always a guiding force that supports you in your purpose. You just have to be awake and aware of that. That's, that's, that that's right. So now the, now football finds you, and you look at your wife, and you say, you know what, this is we're supposed to be in football. And then once you know you're supposed to be there, because the universe has kind of given it back to you without yes. the intent of your own, then you work through the, the adversities that are along the way because you know this is what's supposed to happen and where you're supposed to be. And it makes moving forward even easier. And it becomes so meaningful, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Coach, you have such high standards with your team, both during practice and games. And these standards, as I see them, are to keep players focused on the importance of the team, the team dynamics versus individual opportunities for separation and special honors. Um, one of those practices is the touchdown demeanor. Can you explain your ideas uh, to our audience and the purpose behind that? Well, I think that, um, you know, we want, under we want guys to understand that uh, when you score a touchdown, it wasn't you that scored the touchdown because, mm -hmm. as we always say, uh, you know, we are you and you are us, and and uh, and and we're all interconnected. So when a player goes out and uh, individually celebrates, celebrates, and there's a fine line. We want guys to be able to express themselves passionately, uh, but we also want uh, there to be a presence of ten other guys that were involved in creating that play. Uh, and we do it, and, and that's really part of it. When we do things together, you know, we talk about it as everything's better when you do it together. Um, sure. You know, we're not independent silos, independent contractors working in football. We're a team. We're a community. You know, at, at the essence of it, you know, we've heard it many times before. We really do, as a, as as humans, want to be part of community. Want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And we don't have to want it. That's what it is. I mean, that's we are all, you know, a piece of one life. And so, um, you know, as it relates to football, each one of us are a piece of that touchdown, all 11 guys. So, you know, getting a piece of the ball, so to speak, in, in, in our touchdowns is something that, you know, is, is a, is a, um, a visual example of us doing it together. Sure, because with 
without an offensive line, you're never going to have a running back breaking away or a, or a wide receiver being able to pick exactly. up skills and make or, a catch. I you mean, know, we sure. break it down every day. If 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 our right guard doesn't uh, doesn't take a six inch step with his left foot, you know that fifty yard bomb that you just saw didn't happen. That's how defined and detailed and and um, intricate. Um, football universe is and it's just a microcosm of our entire universe that everything is specifically designed you know for an end result and uh, you know football is a great example of that because when 11 guys got to do it together you know the the exponential multiples and variables of what can happen are are infinite and that's why it should be celebrated and it should be celebrated together Sure, and I know the the one phrase that you use is "what one does, we all do," and I think that's such a great phrase to create that team dynamic. Yeah, that's what that's what we're trying to do. That's the message we're sending every day um, in different ways. And can you tell us, Coach, about your idea of winning the day and where that? philosophy comes from and what, and define winning the day and what winning the day means to you and what winning the day means to the team and how do you how do you communicate that to your team yeah i think um yeah there's a lot of ways to go about it but you know number one um the, the day we've been given is really the only day we have um you know the, the, the things that are going to happen in the future haven't manifested themselves uh the things that have happened in the past are you know have disappeared so all we can really control and it's it's common sense we all really believe that we may not act it out but we all know you know all we have is this day um it doesn't matter what faith uh or what, what kind of beliefs you have we all know that this is the day um and so during the course of that day I mean, we certainly have a vision for what we want to accomplish on sunday in those three hours you know at soldier field but the only way we can get that done is by doing the things on a really on a minute by minute basis um to get better and to succeed uh, doing those specific things so whether it's a meeting we want to win the meeting if it's a walkthrough we want to win the walkthrough if it's a play in practice we want to win that play um and we we want to win the day not only at Hallis Hall on and off the field but outside of Hallis Hall it's critically important do we do we take our playbook home did we do we study our plays do we put in preparation time outside of the building you know all that's part of winning the day so um and that's what we want to be able to do when we close our eyes at night did we do everything to win the day because if one player didn't we didn't win the day um because uh, you can't separate yourself from the team then we're not that team anymore so if one player isn't in on doing this um you know we haven't won the day you may have but you're not enough to help us um you know when on sunday we need everybody and everybody well, matters Thank you. And and I will say, Coach, the very first thing I woke up and thought about today, knowing that today was going to be our day for our interview, was that I really said, how can I win the day today? That was the very first thing on my mind. So that was a great, uh, a, a great seed to plant in my mind. Unfortunately, our time is up, and I know we could talk forever, but I really appreciate your time today, Coach. You've got a busy schedule. It means so much to me to share your ideas with our listening audience. And I want to say to our listeners, thank you so much for listening this week. And and throughout every day this week until we get together next week, I do want to invite and encourage all of our listeners to ask themselves how 
I can win the day. And for those who serve, especially for those who serve our country, I just want to say thank you for that service. So thank you, Coach. Have a great weekend. Yeah, thank thank you, Fee, and uh, um, a ditto to what you just said to all of those men and women serving our country and allowing us to uh, to be free. Um, uh, we love every each and every one of you. That's how I feel, Coach. My sentiments exactly. Great. Take care, Fee. See you next thank time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week on Direct Connect Empowerment. Fima Zanke will be back with another guest next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.